0: If it doesn't scare you a little bit, then you're not you're not thinking big enough.
1: Welcome to Talking Benjamins with your host, Benjamin.
2: Hey, happy, happy new year. Welcome to Talking Benjamins. Um, We have an awesome couple, power couple here for you today. Um, And this, uh, I mean, if I had to sum it up all in one word, I'd say passion. Um, We got Monica and Billy. They're engaged. Uh, They are business partners in Kizomba, Kizomba Harmony. I'm probably butchering that. But yeah, we talked Kizomba today uh, because who doesn't want to talk about Kizomba today? Um, But anyway, we are talking dance uh, We are. We when I, when I say the kind of the the, the word of the day is passion. Um, you know, she is an ER physician, he is an attorney, and they are sacrificing huge chunks of their time to to follow their passion and to start a business um, which they've successfully started, and they're scaling and growing out this business. I'm so excited to see where it goes. Uh, revolving around uh, Kizomba, which uh, we go into what Kizomba is. I won't even try to. Uh, try to tell you what it is right now but um, you know you, you just have to listen to this whole thing uh, there are a couple things that Monica says and a couple things that Billy says that, that uh, I mean are profound or deep um, and I am walking away uh, from this smarter wiser um, and impacted man I mean to to uh, could really you know we say about on Talking Benjamins you know we talk about um <coughs> you know, money, money, life, success, man. And there's, there's a lot of life and a lot of success and what that, what defines success that's wrapped up in this. But, uh, it was an absolute pleasure to talk to these beautiful people. Um, and it's got me stoked to, uh, to get out and try my hand at some Kizomba. But without further
1: ado, Billy and Monica. The purpose of this podcast is to entertain and inform, not to make any recommendations for you personally. So even if you think something you hear on this podcast is a good idea for you, don't do it. Consult a licensed professional that can work with you personally.
2: Thanks for coming out, guys. Yeah. Welcome to, to Talking you. Benjamins. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for having us. No, I was stoked. So I met uh, I met Monica and Billy the other day, and I was like, you guys have to come on the podcast, because I was totally intrigued by um, what you guys are starting, the movement you guys are starting. I thought it'd be a great way to project it and, and really kind of get behind it. Cause a lot of us, I think a lot of people out there have, um, you know, they have dreams, thoughts of, Oh, that'd be cool if I did this. Oh, that'd be cool if I did that. But they never do it. Mm-hmm. Right. And, uh, you guys are like dancing down in Cancun and I'm like, they're mm-hmm. doing it, man. We got to talk, about this. Gotta yeah, talk a- about this. We got to talk about this, <laughs> but I always start out with the same question. Right. Um, and both of you have the answer, right. What's important about money to you?
0: I guess, course? I guess the most important thing about money is. It allows you to do stuff, you know. It allows you to do stuff like eating.
3: Wow! Like, like yeah. no. hey, that's very important. I like. I mean, it's
0: it, it's kind of you know. Back in the day, it's kind of like if you you could kill what you eat, you know. You go club or go spear an animal, build a shelter, but in today's society, without money, you can't like you can't live. You have no. Options, no opportunities, and so I guess for me the biggest thing is it's it's access to you know the things that we all need in life, and two, it gives you opportunities to do things that I mean you wouldn't have without it. It's resources.
1: Mm -hmm.
3: I think that we view money pretty much the same. It's a means to an end. So it's not about, you know, amassing a huge amount of pile and sitting on it like one of those dragons and just counting your beans. It's more of precious. <laughs> precious. I got my <laughs> precious. <laughs> no, it's really. <laughs> no, but it really is a way to actually live your life. And so for me, it's not about how much I have, but how much I'm able to do because of what I have.
2: Right. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So we got a Hobbit and a Lord of the Rings reference in the oh, same sentence. That was amazing. Smog. <laughs> oh yes. Just learning about Very us. Very cool. No, but I mean, so that's uh, so I talk to especially retirees. I talk to them all the time because it's, it's almost you know there's like two ends of the spectrum, right? Sometimes either people they're living off Social Security and they barely have anything, and so they, they need more assets in retirement. And Then there's other people that. They are, they they're, they're, they are sitting on their pile of money and they're afraid that it's going to slip through their fingers and get away. Right. I and mean, they just don't have a process in place to make sure they can enjoy it and spend it and, and enjoy life, man. Cause you only right. got one of them, right? Oh, one yes. one? Yes. So yes, yes, yeah. now in talking Benjamin's, we, we do obviously find out what's important about money, but then also we always want to know you're, you're making a means to have your end that you want. Uh, we all learn how to do this in many different ways. Um, what's the first job that you guys had?
3: So, for me, I was in high school, so I went to high school in uh, Singapore. And so, my first job was at a restaurant that my friend's father owned. And in Singapore, you don't get tips. And they kind of just used us as, you know, just, you know, just more than just our working wages. We worked (laughs) a lot, and I don't think we got enough pay for it. And that basically, no, it really taught me. Um, trading time for dollar is really, it, it started really early. If I'm going to be walking and on my feet for eight hours and getting this much money, there has to be a better way. Yeah. Really, like that, that initial job taught me you need to start thinking about better ways because eight hours on a feet serving pasta sucked. <laughs> <laughs> with the amount of pay that we got.
2: As you, billy?
0: My first job, I believe, was McDonald's. Yeah, I was Calvin. Both I of was, you guys, I both was, you guys I started on the restaurant <laughs> industry. Because like? my mom was working there. She was one of the managers. Yeah. And um, I was 16. And I was 16 too. And I needed a job, right? Because I was broke and I wanted stuff. So it um, got me a job. I was working on the weekends. I made four twenty-five an hour, $4.25 <laughs> an hour. And I remember getting my first check and it was like maybe 115 bucks or something like that. And I thought I was rich. And I remember walking because, you know, I, I didn't have a car until like I was in law school and I walked down main street to go to this place called long john silvers and so i don't know this you know, place yeah. come on yeah. it was like everybody you know, knows this place going up like it's that amazing. was like my like, go-to fast food you've never
3: taken me on a date there yet. well
0: now oh, man. like man we'd have to pro- we probably take a couple of days of detox afterwards oh, like yeah come on i can't i can't throw so do down like a couple hush puppies Easter. delicious yes but i bought long john silvers for my mom and my brother i felt like the man of the house feed my family you know but yeah, it was it was definitely a, an interesting experience. Uh, I got to meet a lot of uh, interesting people and people called me Calvin because at the time there was like a big McDonald's push where there's this kid named Calvin who's walking through the hood like with his hat back <laughs> backwards and he's like, you know, what's up? And then at the end, he turns his hat around as McDonald's. He's like, hi, I'm Calvin, man. Take your order. You know, oh my gosh. so yeah, people kind of clown a little bit, but. I, I was making some so you, money. You're so. Calvin
2: lookalike or what?
0: <laughs> Not really, just black kid Calvin. <laughs> like, that's what we had in common. <laughs> people, you wow. know, people make fun of McDonald's, you know, as a job. But I'm like, how are you gonna make fun of something that you don't? And you broke. At least yeah. I'm making money, so Heck yeah. you know, it it kind of definitely for me was uh you know, anyone who's doing something to put in work. I won't look down on you because you're actually doing something. Heck mm-hmm. yeah, you know.
2: Heck yeah, mm-hmm. so, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. So I know. So you're are you? Were you born and raised in Singapore?
3: No. So I actually was born in Florida, lived there for a few months, moved um, overseas to Asia, then I moved back when I was starting grade school. Then I moved back to Asia again, starting middle school. Stayed there until I went to college. Went to college in America, and then med school and everything else here. Damn. So, All yeah, right. I, I I consider myself a global citizen. How about that? Heck yeah. <laughs> heck yeah. Citizen so of the world.
2: No, like our, our favorite movie that came out last year was uh, whenever I think of I'm trying to think of what the city is
3: Crazy Rich Asia. Crazy Rich Asia. Oh, it's what, in Singapore. It? Is it Singapore? Oh, yes. Old stomping Okay, grounds. yeah. Yes. So
0: I was like, is that for real? Yep. People really live like that? I'm like, dang. Some, some
2: of them like, do. like 40 of them. Yeah, yeah but not <laughs>
3: <Right>.
2: the majority. <laughs> 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 hey, man, there's money everywhere. It's an amazing yeah,
3: place, though. I yeah. highly recommend going. Yeah. Go.
2: No, but I like how um, oh, her friend, her crazy friend, right? Mm-hmm. She kind of broke down, like, you know, what kind of money they have. Right. And mm-hmm. a little bit of the history of like, of, like, oh, no, here's when people came to Singapore. Now, here's when they came to Singapore mm-hmm. from China. It was, like, way back when. But, yeah. Um, Oh, that's cool, man. Very cool. All right, so obviously you mentioned uh, you mentioned a little bit about your education. So you went to med school. What kind of, what kind of doctor are you?
3: So right now I'm an emergency medicine doctor.
2: Gotcha. So mm-hmm. ER doctor. What's the craziest thing you ever seen in the ER?
3: Probably things that you guys don't think that are crazy. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Try me. Try me. Yeah. I've, I've seen
3: it all, but I, I think it's just amazing how capable the human body is of springing back. So the things that you think of, you know, things stuck in places where things shouldn't be stuck. <laughs> yeah, fair <laughs> enough. But it's really like the interesting medical like cases where you don't know what's happening and um, you really have to put your mind to it. Yeah. Those are the ones for me that are like super crazy. I'm like, oh, look at this. La, la, la. And then I tell my friends are like, OK, so so what did your patient get stuck up? Where? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay, whatever.
2: Well, like a steering column through his neck or something.
3: exactly but
2: you're like more along the lines of house like what's going on with this person find out that
3: to me is interesting because in the emergency department you only have a finite amount of time so you have to really put everything um and piece everything together in a more quicker time span right and so that's kind of cool very cool yeah very
2: cool no so i was uh yeah and so we have a doctor and attorney here so you you have a a law school background is that right yes
0: yeah yeah um Wow, I'm getting old. I graduated from law school ten years ago, almost now. Jeez.
2: I was trying to put a date on you. Four twenty-five minimum wage, dude. Yeah, yeah. I was
0: born in <laughs> 1980, so I'm, I'm 38. Um, I'll be 39 in a in a couple months. On Pi Day. Yeah, March 14th. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I uh, I graduated from law school and I worked for a really big mega firm for a few years. And. Then I went and did some contract work, and then around that time, and because you know when I was working at the firm, there's a culture where the less life you have outside the firm, the better for them. Right. So people would brag about, for instance, their their weekend being hosed because they have to work, and it's almost like they're excited about it. And it's like, you know, you you eat, you go to work with your coworkers, you eat lunch with the coworkers you go back and work with your co-workers, you have dinner with your co-workers, you have drinks with your co-workers, you go back and work with your co-workers, and then you go to sleep for a couple hours, and then you you do it again. And there's a pressure to kind of FaceTime, right? So even if you're not doing anything, you want to be seen in the office. And so I would never really leave the office until the sun went down. Like, you know, I was usually in the office 10, 11, 12 hours. Just, you know, even if I wasn't working, trying to impress the partners and all this, you know. It's not very good for work-life balance, but when I started going and doing contract work, I I was able to get off earlier. So I would get out off and the sun was out, and I'm like, oh, this is novel, the sun.
2: <laughs> what well, am I, I supposed right, to do now? I'm like all
0: pale and chalky, you know? <laughs> like turning into Gala, freshness, you know? <laughs> but I kind of started, I started dancing because I had gone to like some, just like a happy hour thing, and it turned into a Latin night, and I was like,
2: hmm. It so you had never danced before
0: not like this not partner dancing. not just like you're not dancing you right, know in the club like you know like hey come here girl you know, <laughs> yeah, you know yeah yeah club dancing um but that kind of dancing wasn't at the older i got once i'm in my 30s it, it becomes a little bit more tricky because if i dance like that with someone who's in a relationship then you know oops yeah you start fighting right, you start a fight right <laughs> Right. I, I was trying to be nice, but yes, exactly. So when I saw the partner dancing thing and the Latin dance, I was like, oh, wait, so you can just go and just dance with everybody? It doesn't mean anything. You're just dancing. I was like, oh, this is fun. So I started dancing salsa, and then a couple months later, I met Monica, and she was actually my first teacher in Kizomba. And so I started dancing. And at, the, at this time, I was doing the contract work. And then just years go by, and I find, you know, she asked me to be a partner, and then next thing you know, I'm spending all this time building the business that, like, literally, it became a full-time job. And so now, that is my full-time job, the the dance business.
3: And he's so much happier.
0: And I'm way happier, because I enjoyed some aspects of being an attorney, but a lot of the times, I felt like I was basically just helping to make rich people richer, and I was kind of a cog in the wheel in that they didn't really value whether they don't care. They're on the yacht. They just need some guy to sign their papers for them, you know. And I was like, man, what would it be like to be this guy on the yacht who's like just living his passion? And for me, it was interesting to do the law, but it wasn't a passion. Mm -hmm. And when you're passionate about something, it's a whole different thing. And I'd never really had a job that I was passionate, truly passionate about. I mean, I was passionate about the checks, but that's... (laughs) That's yeah. not really the same thing i yeah. being passionate about. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I enjoyed the people I worked with, but also, you know, I looked at, for instance, the people who I worked for, and very few of them were happy, too. And that's because, you know, and maybe it's the law firm culture where you're trying to justify these humongous billable hourly rates that they charge, but nobody really had a work-life balance except for the people who were retiring. Yeah and so you know that's something that resonated with me and so when i got the opportunity here to become an entrepreneur i jumped at it you know we talked about it we're like you know i can't i can't build the business and work full-time because what we do in dancing is maybe 10 percent of what i do you know we have online platforms websites we have an app we have online lessons we have festival competition like it's a lot Mm-hmm. and it's, it's a
3: full-time job. Yeah.
0: It's a lot of work, but it's fun. And we are actually the, the we bring joy to people's lives
2: through this dance. So like what yeah. it, it sounds a give little me, Give me a little give me some back so so just to step back just yeah, yeah. a second for people. Mm-hmm. So the uh, so you start out salsa dancing and then you meet her and do k- kizomba. kizomba. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like I thought, I knew a little bit about dancing, mm-hmm. right? Because my mom was the same way, right? Mm-hmm. So she's like, "Okay, what, you go to school and see that's not dancing, mm-hmm. right? You can get your, you can get your giggles off, right. So you know, it's right. people just got on the dance floor, right? right. Um, you know, learn how to dance, right? She teach me how to dance. So, um, so obviously, you got involved in dancing, but. So, and I knew a little bit about dance, but you guys talk, start talking about it. took me like five times to say Kizomba before mm-hmm. I actually got it right. right. What the heck is Kizomba? And where does it come from? Okay.
0: So Kizomba, it's, it's, a, it's a number of things. It's a dance, and it's a music genre, and it's also an umbrella term. But the reason it's hard to say is because it's from a language, Kimundo. Kimundo is one of the, it's a Bantu language, and Angola is one of the tribal languages, and it means party. And uh, hell, even I mispronounced it for a long time. I, call, I said Kizomba. Because like you know, it's Kizomba, and you know, um, it means parties from Angola. So those who don't know, it's like uh, look at South Africa and then go up two countries on the west coast. That's Angola, and it's bordered by another country called Congo. And um, back in the day, before colonialism, a lot of those two countries were a part of the Nkongo Kingdom, which is a big Bantu kingdom back then. Um, but yeah, the dance Kizomba, it comes from a dance called Semba, and it's really an interpretation of Semba. But it's a dance, it's a music genre specifically, and the music genre that um, a lot of countries, they call them palop, which is, let's see, países africanos de língua oficial portuguesa.
3: Countries that
2: speak Portuguese, yes. because because they were colonized. I yeah. Portuguese, so I posso do isso também.
0: Oh, you yeah. and and hey, I know fala Portuguese, hey. <laughs> but it's good because that's on our list to fala. <laughs> <laughs> I can only say things like "bunda muito bom,"
2: you know, "bastéis tenha," you know. So he just started out <laughs> with the worst cuss word you can come out with in Portuguese. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> so. Well, we
0: say we say "bunda" a lot because um, the movement in mm-hmm. Kizomba there's "bunda" movement. Right. Um, so we say that. Do you a say lot. "hebola"? You have
2: hebola"? No.
0: Ebola. I've I've heard I've heard something like that. Right? I speak a, I
2: speak Brazilian Portuguese, and so it uh, might be this. so a lot of times with um, with um, samba and whatnot, mm-hmm. right? It's ebola, uh, uh, right? And so it, right. It, where it's like. Uh, kind of movement of the hips, right? Yes, I've, yeah.
0: I've heard like, oh, about it. It sounded like something like Rebola. Maybe that's
2: what they're saying. Yeah, Rebola. Saying. Mm-hmm. So he, Hebola. The R, the R, it starts out with an R, but Hebola R is, is silent. So oh, I mean, R, R is like an H. Right? Wow. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Wow. They're like, ah.
0: but yeah, the Angolans they speak Portuguese closer to Portuguese Portuguese. Mm-hmm. So um, I guess one area that might sound similar. I guess people in Rio, like for instance. Mais as opposed to mais. In Angola, they'd be like, mais quizom,
2: mais quizom, yeah. fala português, you know. It's like in a Rio, man, in Rio, they're always mais. Oh. Mais, Rio, mais yeah. muito bom, mais, mais, eles falam assim.
0: That's Angola. And they have, like, a cool kind of little Angola, you know, like a little yeah. twang. It's really kind of musical yeah. when they talk. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so the word quizomba is quimundo, but most of the music is in Portuguese because of the colonization. And I guess the history of Kizomba is really tied with this colonialist history, because there's 400 years of colonialism, and um, the precursor to Kizomba, musically, Semba was um, a music of protest. And so it was kind of like, you know, um, slave songs were like coded. you know Semba was a music of protest. Now, of course that led to many of them being, yeah. killed, right. But after the Portuguese left Angola, then there's a 40-year period, more or less, of civil war. And so, I mean, Angola is very much a war-torn country. And during this time of war, you know, if you're out on the street at a certain time, you could get pressed into the military or killed or kidnapped, you know, because it's very dangerous. And so people would have these house parties, and they'd usually last until about five or six because that was when it was more safe. And then the word for these parties was kizom, so like a you know a backyard house gotcha, party or a yeah. house party, like, oh, let's go to the Kizomba or the Kizombada, you know. And so the name Kizomba, it wasn't called that in the beginning. The dance, which is an interpretation of Semba, which is called things like like Pasada, Pasada, whatever, you know, it was just steps, dancing. Yeah. And then the music, Semba was a music, but then um, when they started kind of the influence of other music. So... When I say kizomba is an umbrella term, at kizomba parties you'll hear lots of different types of music: Semba, kizomba,
3: from different areas of the world. Sure, Haiti, compa.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And compa particularly was very influential. It's from Haiti. It was very influential, and zouk, which is also a derivative of compa. So, um, this this new type of music that had the the Angolan traditional rhythms, and then like this new fusion and mixture of these rhythms from you know. Haiti in the Caribbean created this kind of new sound, and they didn't really have a name for it. But then there was an interview with this guy named Eduardo Payne and his band SOS Band, and they're asking, "Hey, what do you call this new sound you guys are creating?" And this is like early '80s, and the drummer was like, "He's on my music, party <laughs> music, like simple, like yeah, most yeah. things. It's like really simple. Like there's nothing like esoteric about it. It's just point A to B. It's party music." Yeah, And so that's kind of where the name came,
2: Kizomba. Right on. So is there a form? So, Because a lot of times when I think about dancing, you know, salsa, tango, whatever, um, there's, there's specific movements, there's specific forms that have essentially created <coughs> within the dance and the culture. Is it the same way with Kizomba? Like when you guys teach Kizomba, because that's... Just, well, tell me a little bit more about that. So mm-hmm. you've taken Kizomba. Obviously, there was a love for Kizomba. I want to I ask Monica real quick, too. So... You were his first dance partner.
3: I was his first dance partner and teacher.
2: When did you start dancing? When, where, did, when did kizomba become a main, a thing main for thing for you?
3: Yeah, I mean, I still get tripped out that I'm teaching <laughs> an African dance. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, but but here's the thing: kizomba, the dance itself, it has the power to reach people of all different cultures because of the way it makes you feel. It is, I dance other dances, and it just is different. Um, and I got exposed to it, uh, let's see, I got exposed to dancing during residency because I was really depressed, and one of my, um, my attending um, physicians, he actually, he competed in ballroom, and he was like, you know, maybe it would be a good outlet for you, and so I got introduced to ballroom, really liked it, then I started getting into salsa, and it was a way for me to actually appreciate medicine more, because if I had something outside to look forward to, I would come back to um, my job even more jazz to actually do the job. And so I moved to Houston to do a fellowship, and at that time, I was at a dance event and someone was looking for a dance partner because in 2012, Kizomba, in the United States was really, really new. So it basically was the blind leading the blind. We took a few Hmm. lessons, then we were like, ooh, there's no scene here, let's build one and let's teach people to do it. So when I say that we were teaching or I was his first teacher, it was, hey, I got exposed to it first. Here, this is what I learned a little bit and let's all kind of learn it together. Now here's the caveat though, because Billy did a great uh, explanation of what Kizomba is and what it means to the culture. And when you take a cultural dance to a new market, it's really important to actually preserve the culture. Because right. what I learned before was not that. It mm. was basically like a bastardized, tango, hyper-sexualized version of this dance. Yeah. And little did I know, um, I mean, at that time, Houston had a huge Angolan population because of oil. And so when I said, you know, here's this Asian girl. Hey, I'm a kizomba instructor. They're already going. <laughs> okay. Uh, they're like, have o- you? Okay. <laughs> yeah. They're like, have you been to Angola? I was like, no, but I've been to Ghana. Uh, not the same, but you know, okay. <laughs> and then they would see me dance, and they were like, what are you doing? And that Oops. just kind of hit a. It almost like sparked a light bulb in me. If we are actually teaching the dance, and natives of that country that have learned it since they were you know, starting to walk from their grandmothers, um, have no idea what you're doing, something is wrong here. And so when we became <laughs> partners, we taught the dance to each other because we basically have no background, we don't speak Portuguese, mm-hmm. we've never been to Angola. Um, we basically had to learn straight from the beginning how to move, how to appreciate the music, and all of it was new to me. And mm-hmm. so, it, it, it's funny when I say I was your first teacher, but truly, to be honest, we taught each other, and that's why we're such good instructors, because we had to learn from the ground up everything.
2: How did you, where did everything. you guys go to learn? Well, um,
0: we've trained with at least <laughs> 30 different instructors, really in depth. Basically, we ended up learning from, many of them were Angolans, or people of the culture, or people who specialize in other African dances, so lisbon Um,
3: portugal we went lisbon
0: some of the epicenters for kizomba right now outside of angola lisbon because that is where most of the palops and remember the palops from all these african countries many of them ended up in lisbon now the angolans when you say palops palops that's the okay that's uh angola guinea-bissau saltame principe mozambique so you're talking about a group of people yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, le, 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 le. Cabo Verde. Okay. Cabo verde. So all
2: these, all these different countries, they share a similar culture. Well, we're yes. They share similar calips.
0: cultures in that they are all colonized by the same <laughs> country. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, they share the Portuguese influence, and but specifically also, um, they kind of created this organization, PALOP, to kind of band together when they are trying to fight colonialism. But in Portugal, interestingly enough, it's interesting how when, when a country colonizes another country, people from that country tend to go to...
3: The colonizers. Now,
0: I guess okay. if, if you're going to go somewhere seeking opportunities or whatever, clearly you speak the language because that's what colonizers, so yeah. that makes sense. But it's just interesting. And in Lisbon, there's a huge, huge concentration of Palops, Angolans and everybody else. And so a, a huge club dancing scene developed in Lisbon so that was another um, big epicenter for how Kizomba as a a social dance really developed there and many of the people who we've learned from grew up there Uh, they were born in Angola and moved to to Lisbon and then a lot moved from Lisbon to UK London and Paris also became a huge epicenter and Paris was a little bit different in that because of the Francophone, the Francophone Africans, the French speaking Africans, and the Haitians and the Caribbeans who all dance Compa or zook. Zouk.
3: Caribbean right.
0: Zouk. And so that music, they have their own whole clubs and music. And so a lot of people got came to Kizomba through that because the music is similar and people in, in Angola were dancing Kizomba and Semba on Compa and Zouk and all that. So it was a natural kind of fit. So that's Paris became an epicenter. And then also for new styles that emerged, like urban kids or what we call urban, that was kind of started in Paris. So we learned from people who were in Lisbon, London, Paris.
3: Lots of plane tickets.
0: Lots of plane <laughs> tickets, and <laughs> us importing people over here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, the interesting thing about learning is that we were learning in a classroom environment a dance that is traditionally a cultural dance. So right. You know. A lot of times people think, oh, if you're African or you're black or whatever, you it's going to be easier for you. And that's absolutely not true. It's just that when you learn from culture, the people who are audiovisual learners become dancers because they can just repeat what you do. The people who can't do that just don't dance. And so, you know, I realized, and that was something we realized, where you're born doesn't matter. There are plenty of Angolans who can't dance kizomba at all. Mm-hmm. It's just like I'm a, I was born in New Orleans. My family's from... Louisiana, but I can't play trumpet. Yeah, Louis Armstrong was from New Orleans. I was born in New Orleans, it doesn't mean anything, right? Right. But um yeah, so we were learning from people who had learned from culture. So it was also very challenging because many of them didn't know how to teach people who weren't audiovisual learners. Right. And I'm an audiovisual learner, but Monica not is not.
3: Whatsoever.
0: And I'm an audiovisual learner, but See, I he's need you like, like read a book and then you dance. Right. For me, if you tell me you have to tell me in explicit detail exactly what I need to know, like where is my weight here, percentages, muscle. I wanna know everything. Right. Right. And whereas Monica's very tactile and you have to like really like do adjust stuff. Yes. And explain. Right. So us learning from people ended up being kind of like a like a, a group effort. So they would do something and try to explain it. In the beginning, many of them couldn't explain what they do. You know, they, they are still learning how to teach. Sure. So I would be able, it, we got to a point where I was able to break down their movement by watching them. I'm like, oh, this is what you're trying to do. And then I worked with Monica to try to help her. And doing this, we ended up figuring it mm-hmm. out. And it was a very difficult way to learn because it's, it's hard to learn something when you're figuring it out yourself. You know, exactly. When someone is telling you A to Z, it's like, you know, uh, lock key, step key,
2: turnkey, turnkey. Turn yeah,
0: yeah. it's still you know, <laughs> early. <laughs> when it's turnkey, it's it's really just on you. You just have to put in work. But we had to actually figure out that right. turnkey process. And it was tough. But then what it, what it made, it, it gave us something that no one had because mm-hmm. we were some of the first non-Africans to be able to move like that. Like Africans. Right. And, and because of the
2: way we learn, now we can teach anyone
3: to Because anyone.
2: there's actually a process there that you've developed. Mm-hmm. That's it's so it's awesome. a conditioning process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know exactly. What you're, I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, because if it's something that they just do, right. it is hard to turn around and teach, right? It's mm-hmm. like, how do you eat? It's like, I don't know. I just do like, you it. You know, I just move right? your waist, you know, just feel yeah. the music. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I just sh- remember someone
3: this told me. <laughs> Monica, move. dance like an
2: African. Yeah, move more
0: Africans. Oh. Yeah, come on. Oh, We're like, if I knew <laughs> I how to do that, mean, I would you. not have you here. <laughs> like, what does that even mean? You know, we heard feel the music so much, and I'm like, what does that mean? I can feel the music and do the cabbage patch and the snake. <laughs> That's I'm feeling the music, right? And like, well, do what the music tells you to do.
3: I'm doing the, the music. The music me me tells me to do all
0: kinds of things that you're going to be like, what are you doing? Right? Because it's, it's interpretive. Right. And so that, you know, it's because sometimes people take for granted something that's been ingrained in culture and something that, you know, we're very big on impressing upon people that culture. And people say things like it's in the blood. Yeah, it's not in the blood. <laughs> it's something you've learned. It cultures learned, uh, learned behavior shared amongst a group and usually starting from when you're a kid. And when you're a kid, you're a sponge. These are soak up things. You know, you can learn to speak just by watching other people speak. You can learn to dance just by watching your parents or your siblings dance, and that's how many of mm-hmm. our mentors learn how to dance from their family. Mm-hmm. And that you know that brings up another thing because Kizomba is a family dance. You know, it's something that people dance with their grandmothers and moms, siblings. You'll see like two old grandmothers dancing together, killing it too. Actually, mm-hmm. some of the best dancers are the old people. You know, but it's kind of uh, like racquetball. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> old people kill it, man. <laughs> You, know. you wouldn't think, but yeah. But the way, the way it, it got marketed, and I think it's partly because the main marketing machine for Kizomba was the Latin dance scene. Mm-hmm. And if you, if you look at how Latin dance has evolved, you know, it, like, say, salsa, right? Now, salsa, right. The, you know, it's the marketing term for like song, what we'll call all these Afro Cuban dances that they kind of put together called the salsa. When you look at the way an old Cuban couple will dance salsa, or what we call salsa now, it's different than what you see now if you type up salsa and look at what you see on youtube it's become a very performance based visual kind of culture and yeah. it's all about looking a certain way and having the right body and have the makeup and the you know, the costumes and like very revealing, you know be sexy and yeah. it's, it's it's become very I, i've
2: seen dancing with the stars it's like that yeah yeah <laughs> like that
0: it's become very sexualized in some way yeah and that you know that could be a whole other thing but that was the kind of, Kizoma started kind of coming through the Latin festivals. And so, you know, the first
2: big I stars. Like how it's African dance that's coming through the Latin festivals. Uh, right. And <laughs> so what happens is, you know,
0: you know. To
3: sell it, since it's very visually, the actual dance itself is not about the visual, it's about the feel. You have to market it in some sort of way. Sure. And so you package it with a lot of glitz, glam, and sexual body movements and, and
0: then and then so doing everything afro ends up usually being stripped out and that's why you know salsa is a very afro cuban afro latin dance but the way most people dance now there's very little afro in it and you know there's because been a lot of hard to there's do been that. a lot of misappropriation and you know and that's that's a shame. Now of course for salsa because of the relationship between Cuba and the US obviously it's not very easy to go between Cuba and here, you know. But now it's a bit easier so hopefully right. that will change. But you know, they've already created a very performance visual culture and so that the way Kizomba was marketed in the beginning it was all the same. It's like, you know, it was all about about the Bunda, you know, my first Kizomba video and I mean, I obviously was watching and enjoyed it, right? Cuz who doesn't want enjoy watching beautiful women wiggle the bunda around? But, you know, while it is visually appealing, it also, I think, turned off a lot of people. Right. Who, you know, felt that it was a sexual dance. And it's not. But it looked that way because of the way it was being marketed. The way Mm -hmm. it was being marketed.
2: Yeah. And that's that's caused a lot of damage. So how are you guys trying to change that? And what, what are you trying? Because uh, it sounds to me, I mean, from what you said before, um, you know, it sounds to me that you're really breaking ground here in the U.S. when it comes to Kizomba. Yes. Right. And in doing so, what are you? Um, I don't know if it's putting the Afro back into it or putting mm-hmm. the the family culture back mm-hmm. into it. What what's your hope in? How are you changing perspective? And what's mm-hmm. your hope? What's your hope for that message? What message do you want to project? If if their message is. It's a sexual dance. What what message do you guys want to project with with what you guys are doing?
3: For us, it's a dance for everyone because we found kizomba and it drastically changed our lives for the better mm-hmm. and it has the power to do that to be a positive influence from people you know, right when you start walking to, you know, up until you pass away. Because Mm -hmm. this dance, you don't have an expiration date. You know, your joints aren't going to get, you know, tired or anything like that. And even people that are deaf can dance kizomba that are Mm -hmm. blind. Mm -hmm. And so we want to market it as a way to um, bring people together. And you can't bring people together by um, marketing sexually. Well, or I mean, it's you
0: can, but you, you, you Or yeah. it's a, it, it
3: would be short term. <laughs> yeah, it there's a lot of consequences that come with <laughs> right. bringing people can
0: together bring sexually. You bring people right? together very effectively. <laughs> fair <way>. enough, fair <laughs> enough. But
3: that would be a short term solution. Sure, mm-hmm. sure. And you would be doing injustice to the dance itself. Right,
0: and I think that um, I mean I don't think people are purposely saying this is a sexual dance. It's just. Because of one, and this happens to a lot of African dances. A lot of African dances focus a lot on body movement, hip movement, right? And it's, it's very, um, it, it happens a lot when, when culture is misappropriated. A good example is a dance called Mapuka, which is, the, is where twerking comes from. But when when you dance mapuka, it's not just the girl wiggling or bunda, and everybody just zo- zooming in like they they turn around. You see the face; it's their whole body dancing. And then twerking became kind of a thing in Louisiana, but it was like a culture thing. And then Miley Then it became Sowers, a YouTube thing. Right, then Miley Cyrus got a hold to it, and <laughs> now it turned ball. into something <laughs> like extra. And so, you know, when when you strip away the cultural context, it's easy for people to to not understand and it's easy for it to become sexualized and so I don't think people are going out saying hey look at this sexual dance it's just people who are used to marketing a certain way and appealing to a certain demographic Mm -hmm. especially like say you're a sensual bachata because that's the big one where it's like really like sexy and all that and I think they're just trying to market but they've turned off a lot of people and so when we when we promote and we do a lot of time you know we spend a lot of time on social media making videos um, and we're not just promoting ourselves Kizomba Harmony we're promoting Kizomba as a dance and we call ourselves industry builders because our vision is to create a legitimate industry for Kizomba and you know we want we believe Kizomba has a has a potential to become the most popular social dance in the world Mm -hmm. and you know I say that and people look at me like but it's true because again it's basically a hug at its core. It's a walking hug. So if you can walk and you can hug, you can dance kizomba. And whether you're ten or whether you're 110, you can dance kizomba. And you know,
3: and hugs feel great. And
0: it's easy to begin. You know, you can come to one class and start dancing. Now to master it, of course, takes time. But you know, in salsa, most people are not going to feel comfortable social dancing until they've been dancing for months. I went after one month, but I was just crazy. You know, I was just like, I got my two moves, and you're just going to do it with me but I just had a lot of confidence and you know I just I was like well Billy whatever.
2: Billy doesn't like confidence would you say Monica no. no not so much no I'm a pretty it's
0: confident guy one um, of his good so you but you say <laughs> it's, a, it's
2: a hug and a walk and, and you say who doesn't like hugs you know I, I hugged my mother mm-hmm. the other day and and she held on to me and I'm like she goes, I read something that say that energy doesn't transfer until after eight seconds. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, so the now, oxytocin. Like say, so mm-hmm. now she's like now she's like into eight second hugs, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? But um, but no, I totally get that. So the human touch, um, it's but it's especially powerful.
3: Especially here in America, we just people are lacking human touch. Mm-hmm. I mean you get
2: non sexual
0: human touch. Non sexual right. human touch, right.
3: exactly. And it's it's a shame because it really has I mean, studies are showing that there's definitely health benefits. Definitely, I mean, yeah,
0: <laughs> I mean, and, and it's interesting that, you know, part of what we're doing through Kizomba is teaching people how to connect physically with other people and it not mean a sexual thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Because I think a lot of us, you know, we're so sexually repressed, but also oversexed that either we don't touch each other or as soon as I touch somebody, it's go time. Right. Ooh, right. He wants me. Right. <laughs> right. Which is my first experience in social dancing bachata when the girl held me close. I thought she was trying to, She's you know, into me. Yeah, I was like, oh, well, all right then. You know what I'm saying? But then she went and danced everybody. And at first I was like, hey. Then I was like, wait. So I can just like hug up on people all night and not get in a fight and not get in trouble. And I was like, this is kind of nice. And that's really what got me into Latin dance. And then when I saw Kizomba, I was like, not only is it an optional hug, it's built in. It is, the dance is a hug. And I'm like, man, so I could, I could spend six hours hugging people all night. And then just go home about my, you know, and go about my business. And it's it's a beautiful thing because there's no other dance Mm -mm. like this where it's like it's it's easy to get into it, it's it's easy to start, it's simple. It's not easy to master, but it's simple enough that people can come and start enjoying right. it from the first class. It's not it's like some seven. big intimidating movement thing. No. It's like, oh, I'm never gonna be able to learn that. Mm-hmm. Anyone can learn it. Now, it's an African dance, so especially the way we teach, it takes work. It takes conditioning. Mm-hmm. You have to condition your body. But the way we, we, it's pretty turnkey how we have it now. If you're willing to invest the time,
3: we got you. You, you can
0: learn. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's you know why I guess we're we're such big advocates for kizomba, and I feel that we add a lot of value because. We are some of the first to kind of unlock, it sounds like
2: weird, but unlock the secrets of the movie. No, but yeah, but it's actually set it, setting up a process in which somebody can learn, right? A, yeah. a learning People process. People that aren't of
3: the culture. Right. Mm-hmm. No, that's,
2: that's awesome. So let me, let me ask you this, then mm-hmm. kind of changing gears, right, because we aren't talking Benjamins, right? So, you know, you're doing this. Obviously, there's a powerful message that you want to share. Right. Um, it's literally impossible to work for free over a long period of time. Um, what are your, what are your aspirations from a financial standpoint in, in, um, in sharing this message? Um, how are you, how are you building your business to gain revenue? What does that look like for you guys?
0: Cool. So yeah, this is good because this has been basically why, you know, I stopped practicing. Um, we are firm believers that you need multiple s- streams of income. Mm-hmm. Very firm right? believers. Um, that's, a, that's a big thing we're doing. So, so you, Even
3: within the dance business, yeah. you need multiple streams of income.
0: So we have our weekly classes that we, we teach. We teach at festivals and events and stuff like that. We also have an app on iOS and Android called Kizoma to Go. I'm going to it right now. Yeah, it's, it's pretty slick. It's been downloaded you know, it's like
3: in 80 countries. 80 countries now. around yes. the world.
0: So it's kind of cool that we, we, I, we'll I go out dancing. See, my like podcast in is Europe. like in four countries, and I think, <laughs> like, four
3: countries? Woo! Now I don't
2: feel nearly as no, good. No, man. Great. It's Next great. thing you know, it'll be 400. Yeah. That's right. Four million countries, but there aren't four million, million. countries. Right? <laughs> I'll take 80. I'll take
0: 80. Right. That'd be cool. But really, but,
3: it's, it's also important um, that we are exposing people to the dance the right way because as the dance gets more popular and people want to learn it and stay in the dance community we're going for long term that means our business grows as well
0: right so we have our app Kizomba mm-hmm. to go and um, we're working
2: on a larger online portal which would be Kizomba to go online as we're speaking i just bought it with my face apparently that's the way my phone works oh nice. fancy uh, just bought it with my face i'm going to check it out and i'll put a little review on yeah. our thanks on man our, uh, you bet on yeah, the website there's, there's
0: three lessons the there's three levels in there and each one there's, is $3 There's $3 enough material in there to last you at least a year of hardcore learning. I mean, mm-hmm. there are people who teach, literally teach off this app. And speaking of which, we are also teacher trainers. At our festival in Cancun, we also have a teacher training. Hold so up. Let's see. When's this festival? Oh, it's yeah. December 5th through 9th this year. December 5th through 9th. Gotcha. And the teacher training is December 2nd through 5th. Through sixth, mm-hmm. yeah, like Monday through Friday, and the idea is we brought some of the people who we learned from, and us, and then we do about half of it, and then they also do some, and we bring them in, not because we need them to teach kizomba because at this point we can do that, but because we think it's important to expose people to the culture, yeah, and you know these are all Angolans who grew up with kizomba, and they you know they many they they are Angola slash UK. Yeah. So the Angola Lisbon UK is kind of the trajectory. But there are people who we've learned a lot from and you know, we also believe it's important for students to learn from lots of different instructors. You know, Mm -hmm. sometimes and this is sometimes a problem politics wise and it's not unique to dance, but people feel insecure and threatened and they want everybody you know, they want they want their captive audiences and they're afraid of losing the audience. Where and it's not good for the community because we've learned in depth from over thirty instructors and it's benefited us so we think that it's important for our students for our people in our community to also have that breadth of experience and that's why we kind of have other people in there too and we're starting a dj training this year that'll happen at the same time as the teacher training
3: yeah with the festival anyone can come even Mm -hmm. if you haven't danced before it's an Mm -hmm. all-inclusive resort right on the beach
0: right on the beach and you get your
3: learning you get really good parties and it's people Mm -hmm. from all over the world Mm -hmm. and it's such a cool experience to be able to meet people you might not even speak the same language but when you're on the dance floor you can communicate
1: right
3: that's just cool and then afterwards uh when the sun comes up you go for breakfast and everyone's just trying to you know talk to each other um but then there's just a shared there's a shared experience so it just works right that's Everybody's
2: nice. got their phones out doing the Google, uh, Google Translate. Translate. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. I've, I've I've had
2: some Google Translate, <laughs> oh, but
0: you yes. know you can, and it, it's really interesting. And you can real you realize how it's. You may think you can't communicate, but you, but can. you can, and yeah. pretty effectively too. It's right. just you have to be a little bit patient at first.
2: So how many how many countries were represented at your last conference?
3: Oh man. Uh,
0: <laughs> between eight and ten, I think. We had we had people from from Europe. We had people from North and South America. We had people. You know from I guess, yeah all over both sides of the pond so right. you know some people flew are really and, and in europe it's huge so yeah. the fact that we have people coming from europe to our event and it's just our third year it it goes to show that you know a lot of what we do um we have a long term we're like we're playing chess not checkers right in that you know it's not about packing as many bodies as we can into our event it's about creating a vibe and an energy and attracting people who like that vibe so for instance if you appreciate the family nature if you're a respectful person if you're someone who likes dancing with everybody and you're not like what I call a celebrity mindset you know we're, we're, we're very critical of things that we feel are hurtful to the community mm-hmm. and and so doing that also is ruffle feathers right, right. because we're, we're we're working to set standards in a space where it's new and while in a new space, it's an opportunity for growth. It's also an opportunity for people to take advantage, right? And, you know, taking advantage of people who don't know any better and setting bad examples. And so we're, we're weeding out people who are not adding value and trying to identify and invest mm-hmm. in people who are. And so, you know, that's a, that's a much more difficult process than appealing to the lowest common denominator and right. pandering for the sake of being popular. But that for us is the best way to set a standard and build the industry because our business succeeds as the community grows mm-hmm. right That's so exactly. targeting yeah. targeting people who want to learn who vibe with our you know our i guess vibe, vibe with our vibe mm-hmm. you know yeah people who have disposable income who are willing to invest right because if business wise if we have a bunch of people but they're not willing to invest in training. They're not willing to invest in a quality festival. Right. Well, Well, we
3: can't,
0: we can't sustain that. Then we just have a house party and, you know, with a DJ, DJ, uh, uh, Spotify, (laughs) whatever, you know, and that's what you get. And so, and in some, in some spheres of influence, that's basically what it is. It's all about what's cheap and easy and I want to be a superstar. So I'm going to have my little event with my friends and, you know, but we are setting a standard of quality and you know that again it's hard work but now we're in a place where we have the app we have a teacher training we have a festival we have a competition in houston and it's called the best all-around dancer competition and it's a competition that focuses on versatility and foundation and social dancing a lot of competitions are all about flash Mm -hmm. costumes of flash and flippy, flip flip but for us you know it's like what are you promoting and if what you're promoting is not in line with your vision, our vision is not to create a bunch of performance Kizoma dancers because Kizoma is not a performance dance. And we don't want to see what happened to the Afro Latin dance happen to Kizoma. Because if you take an Afro Latin dance and strip all the Afro out, you still have Latin. If you take an African dance and you strip all the Afro da- out, out, then you're like, you basically just destroyed the entire thing. Right. And so we want to preserve the. The, the social dancing aspect. So imagine, like, if you go to a bachata festival and everyone is dancing bachata like you would dance on the island in the Dominican Republic, because that's where it's from. Imagine if you have a salsa festival and everybody in there has the flavor and the sabor of a Cuban, you know, or a Puerto Rican or something like that. This is what we envision. So, you know, there are some new styles that have come out in Paris, like urban, urban kids, urban kizoma, kizoma 2.0. Which have a more European vibe or slash American because they're inspired by hip hop sounding, um, yeah. some of the more hip hop sounding music, and we dance this too. It's a lot of fun, but even then, the creator of these styles, the the pioneer, is an African guy from Congo, and he can dance. He can dance the Kizomba. He can dance the Foundation very very well, and so you know there's a lot of misappropriation happening there, and we've been battling that not because we are not against creativity because we do urban as well, but because we feel that it's important to maintain that foundation ethically because it's wrong to misappropriate, misappropriate, but also practically because when you don't have the foundation, you don't have the feeling, and then you don't feel as good to dance with, and that's another thing. Because when we are trying to recruit new people, Our recruiting, our best recruiting tool is our students.
3: Yeah, dance with our students. Because if
0: and we have a hashtag, feel the difference, and we have t-shirts and everything, and it's because in class we ended up saying feel the difference so much. It's like what we teach you isn't going to make you look cooler necessarily but you will feel the difference and after saying that about ten thousand times we are like why don't we just make it like a hashtag like marketing yeah. right we're learning it's our tagline yeah. man feel the difference marketing has been the weakest Kizur part Baha of our many. thing the but difference. we're working yeah we're working yeah, on the marketing marketing now but we like marketing that's actually honest sure. right instead of like what i call bs marketing but still it's important yeah. and you know yeah so that's something we're doing
2: no, but if your students can feel the difference, I mean that's you know you, we talked to a thousand raving fans before, mm-hmm. um, absolutely. You know, but from even from a small business standpoint, um, if if the people that you work with, if your students or your clients um, are raving fans, if they can f- hashtag feel the difference, mm-hmm. um, they're gonna they're gonna their friends, everybody's gonna sure, swarm swarm everything. with them to to Kizomba Harmony. Mm-hmm. So where do you guys see this going in the next ten years?
0: Well, our vision is um, we well we're seeking to become industry leaders so you know my inspirations i'm looking at galileo who was a
2: visionary and people told him he was crazy but right so if people keep telling you you're crazy you're on the right track yeah absolutely you know (laughs) and that's why
3: i love him to be honest you know as a partner because he is that type of visionary for me you know (laughs) i i'll be honest When I first started, you know, teaching dance, I was just like, okay, we'll just teach dance in our weekly classes and everything. And I just wasn't thinking about the big picture. But there's so much that you can do if you just are willing to say, I'm going to go for it and have a plan to back it up as well. And so um, he's going to talk about all the things that we've been planning about, but it really is taking that step of saying, you know what? I trust myself. Mm -hmm. I trust us as a team. Let's do it. But let's make sure that we back it up with, you know, smart decisions too.
0: So our vision, and I, I, I'm trying not to sound like, you know, one of those uh, loony Aww. guys who's like, we are the world. But I I see in 10 years, you know, 10 million people dancing Kizomba. You know? Totally has
3: the possibility. And
0: I really believe Kizomba can become, and, you know, when I say this, I'm not saying this as a Kizomba versus salsa versus, but when you look at the percentage of people who social dance salsa, it's, what like maybe one percent of the population right it's a lot of people dancing but not that much so it's it's completely possible for kizomba to become the most popular social dance but also salsa bachata and all that to be thriving you know a thriving industry of its own but for me because kizomba is my first love and i think there's a unique opportunity especially here in the u.s and north america to to build kizomba in a sustainable way so i see you know lots of people dancing kizomba i see lots of quality events being organized i you know our vision is to train instructors who know their business creating more students uh, obviously i mean for our festival our our vision for our festival is for it to become an epic learning hub right for all aspects of the industry um, and for as it grows you know uh, we definitely have have positioned our event in a way that it can scale like, you know, up until now has been kind of getting the, the core together, yeah. getting all the parts together. And now we're ready to scale. So mm-hmm. that's basically what's happening now. So basically to become, you know, the Netflix, the Apple, the, you know, uh, Amazon
2: of dance.
3: Yeah. Right. That's,
2: that's, our,
0: that's
3: our goal.
2: That's what we want. Awesome. Yeah. So how is that? So there's 10 million people dancing Kizomba right uh, I imagine they're not all dancing at a Kazumba Harmony mm-hmm. dance studio necessarily Absolutely. Yeah. so how is that is it is it through the app is it through the technology that you plan to monetize right. or is it more like a right. since you're setting the standard I guess the first thing that comes to mind for me is um, like CrossFit boxes mm-hmm. right like CrossFit is making money right. but everybody owns their own franchise slash box right. what, what, what kind of financial structure to help so, drive revenue do you yeah. see um, well, you
0: know, we don't, we don't anticipate that everyone who dances Kizoma is going to be putting money in our pocket. That'd be nice. But also, you, nice. you can't have would, an industry Yeah, with, but you mentioned you when, the, yeah, the, when the community right. grows, you guys right. grow. right? And that, and that um, especially, you know, when it comes to actually one-on-one teaching, none of us can teach everyone at once. You know, we, our classes, you know, we, we can't have 500 people in the class. It'd be hard to really teach in a weekly class. But we, because we have our online platforms, and especially, particularly our, the one that we're about to build up now, the app is a, is a great resource, but it's also limited partly because of the low price point, right? It's not cost effective for us to make that super huge when it's only 3.99 per level, right? 14, it's 14 bucks for like 30-something videos, and it costs a lot you know, to, to produce something of this quality. But on the online lessons, it'll be a little bit higher price point, but that will be where we put, put most of the effort going forward. So with the online lessons, we can reach all those 10 million people. Mm-hmm. right? Right. And I think that that is kind of the future as far as um, a backup resource. I mean, because not everybody's going to be super hardcore gung-ho like us. Right. The people who are are going to be drawn to one-on-one instruction. But it's like learning guitar. You know, I play guitar. Well, not very well, but I play guitar. And I've learned a lot from videos, like online videos sure. and download. And then if I'm, when I'm really serious, which I will be, I'm going to go invest in some private lessons. But because those, those resources are there, it's a very low barrier to entry, right? And mm-hmm. then if, if I can get 50 million people exposed to Kizomba, Then maybe 10 million of those people will want to invest in our online lessons. Maybe another 10 million will want to invest in somebody else's online lessons. Maybe some of those people will want to come to our events, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're building, and not everything that we're building is directly going to affect our pocketbook. Right. But that's the difference between being the industry builder and just being another opportunist because, you know, we are more than just an opportunist. Now, that doesn't mean we don't want to make money, obviously. You know, I didn't I didn't quit the law <laughs> to be broke, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but I mean, it it's beautiful for us because we can work to make money and not feel
2: guilty because and we're not actually to adding cut value. Other of course. Yeah, and not
0: either. cutting anyone because yeah. a lot of what we do ends up benefiting other people, too. Yeah.
2: No, and I talk to people about that all the time, it, when it, especially when it comes to their job and things like that, that there's always, with every transaction, there's always a value proposition, mm-hmm. right? And that has to be even on both sides. Mm-hmm. And I tell this, with, even with my clients I work with, and we talk about fees, I don't work for free, right? I got right. six mm-hmm. kids. And I said, yeah, okay, this is what it costs. And for those people that they don't feel like the value's there, I don't want to like twist some sales pitch to get right. a yes out of them. Right because there needs to be an exchange of value. Some people mm-hmm. will understand, yeah, I don't want to manage my money or I don't want to do my own planning. I, I I want somebody that knows more than I do and I see the value I'll pay for that. Right. And if you don't see the value and even though you think you need that, but you want to get it cheap or you know, there the exchange of value is not there and that's okay. Yeah. Right? You, okay. There might be some other place to go. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if I if I go into your old stomping grounds at McDonald's,
1: mm-hmm. and it's
2: like, you know, I'm not going to spend seven bucks. Hey, but I'll spend a dollar on that double, that double cheeseburger. <laughs> <Delicious. laughs> it says, you know, because the, mm-hmm. the, the, that exchange of value has to be appropriate no matter what we're talking about. Absolutely. Um, but man, I love, I love that when you're talking about, uh, you know, being the industry builder. Um, but, uh, that's exciting, dude. I'm excited yes. for you guys. It's scary, but I guess, you know, it's a cliche, but if it doesn't scare you a little bit, then you're not, you're not thinking big enough. I like it. Totally agree. Quote of the day. If it doesn't scare you enough, Mm -hmm. you're not thinking big enough. Of course, my my biggest question here is we're kind of concluding. Um, So you were the first one to teach him how to dance, Kizomba. Mm -hmm. And we keep talking about how it's this culture, this family thing. You just hug everybody and you go around dance partners. So out of all the people that you're (laughs) hugging on the dance floor, how does he get you to fall in love with him? (laughs) I think it's everything,
3: (laughs) oh, it's the way he moved his hips. No, really, it actually, (laughs) he does, he does, though. but you know, it's actually everything (laughs) off the dance floor, because uh, I think we also, we talk a lot about um, being in a healthy dance partnership, I mean, we're business partners, we're life partners, and so if you just look at someone just in one aspect, if I just thought of him as, you know, a dancer, our relationship wouldn't work. And so he, I fell in love with him. I mean, he's a great dancer and all. well actually when we started, both of us really kind of were not bad. so great. So oh. it couldn't really be the dance. No, 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 but it's everything outside of that. It's, you know, the fact that he has confidence, the leadership, the vision. Um, if you don't have someone with vision, or f- for me, if I didn't have someone with vision, it just wouldn't work. I wouldn't respect the person. Awesome. I really, it's about respect. You know, and I and think... Being equal.
2: Right. And then, because uh, you guys are doing something pretty rare that, uh, that not many people uh, embark upon, right? Mm-hmm. As you also, you have, a, you have a, a personal relationship, right? You're getting married, and we're going to be business partners as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Super unique. Um, but the people that do it well um, do it with greater power. And so that's, that's, that's awesome. And so, but I, I do see that the shared vision and that, that principle can cross over whether it's just, you know, me and my wife and I, I joke about it, right. Mm-hmm. Cause I joke about it with, I got Steven over here and I got Raleigh down on Sugarland and they're my business partners. And, um, and you know, I, I joke, it's my work spouse, you know, right, but it's right. cause that same principle has to be there. The vision has mm-hmm. to be aligned. You have to be working towards the same goals and the same mission, mm-hmm. um, to make it work. It's yep. so true. Right? Because all the other stuff that will come up, um, I've been married for, don't listen to this, Stacey, mm-hmm. <laughs> 2005, 13 do, do, years, do, do. 13 years. So I've been married, I've been, <laughs> I've been married, flies I have know, fun, right? Right. that's yeah. right, that is, mm-hmm. Billy's right. So so I've been married for 13 years, right? And, um, uh, and, you know, we've seen friends split up, things like that, But, but it doesn't matter what kind of bad day we have together, what kind of argument we get into. Um, we we continue to share the same vision. and So it doesn't matter what happens, we can still always right. work through it. It doesn't matter right. what calamity befalls Kizomba mm-hmm. Harmony. Mm-hmm. Um, you have the same vision, you can work past it, rebuild and, and get moving in the right direction. And,
3: and it's important to see how your partner um, experiences hardships, like how they deal with them as well. And so yeah. I think, you know, I, I wish everything was always rosy running a business, but it's not, and I think the way you know, I've seen him handle it, how he's helped me deal with things has brought us closer together. Yeah. So. And,
0: and I think with us, but we weren't dating when we first became no. partners. Right. Mm-mm. Right. We, you know, so we just kind of, it was just our shared vision. And, you know, I, I funny enough, I didn't think I was going to be dating anyone for about a year and a half because I was like, man, I'm going to be focused so much on dancing and it's going to be hard to date someone who will, who will, you know, understand what it means to be a dancer and because again the the close nature of the dance a lot of people think is sexual. Now one little thing I will say, there is a sensual side of Kizom it's called the Rashinia or Tarasha, means to screw. Not screw like, you know, do right. it, but screw like the screwing motion. And there's a set of that's movements that you can put in Kizomba, and it it, it can be the more sensual side. And that is what basically was marketed as Kizomba in the beginning. And that's where all the bunda movement was, because right. it was basically badly done Tarrashinya and that was being marketed as Kizomba. But when we first became partners you know we we laid down our vision and then when you know we spent time together and you know again I I didn't think we would be dating I I had it was not
2: in my mind real so Kazumba Harmony started before you guys started dating oh yeah
3: Yeah. I had the company beforehand yeah 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 yeah, she
2: she had already started the company so I didn't
0: start the company and the reason I say that she's my first teacher it's out of respect for all the work that she put in because the investment that she put into Houston, into the Texas, into the U.S. Kizomba community was something that, you know, it wasn't always appreciated at the time. She invested a lot and dealt with a lot. So I always say that because, and this is also something, a lot of the times um, in partnerships, the men don't tend to respect the women as much. And this isn't unique to Kizomba. This is something that's very mm-hmm. common mm-hmm. this period. So I try to set an example in the way that I lift her up, because I think one is important, And two, I'm very big on, I criticize what I feel needs to be criticized, but I also really believe in giving credit, constructively always. Mm -hmm. But I also am very big on giving credit where it's due. And, you know, she's put in more years in this than I have. And although I've made my mark on the company, she's the one who created it. And she hadn't done that. There would, you know, I, I, I may have become a teacher later, but I wouldn't have done it like this. And I think, um, so I value her and that's kind of my way of to show appreciation to her because sometimes the guy gets focused on and I think that's wrong. So I'm trying to like be the change or whatever yeah. in my own way. Plus it gives me points when I when I make her mad, and be like, remember when I gave you that shout guess I guess we can
3: cook lamb tonight for dinner now. Right? <laughs> yeah,
0: you gotta fill up the tank man, fill up the tank.
2: Awesome. <laughs> Hey, but thank you guys for coming out just real quick little book club little book club from both of you guys okay. um if you guys had to if you had uh, one nonfiction book that you could recommend to anybody what would it be and why I mean obviously the fiction book would be Lord of the Rings right
0: right because I'm really big in epic fantasy like you don't even know um I'd say maybe the the subtle art of not giving a
2: Oh, the new, the new, the new book?
0: Not giving an F. Yeah, I think, I think that's a it's a good message in that a lot of times we are focused so much on like what other people think or what other people say about what we're doing that we, you know, a lot of people they spend their whole lives making money they don't spend, impressing people they don't like, being accepted by people they're miserable around, you know, it's like. Nobody and the few people who do live for themselves, you know, they're often attacked, even by family. Mm-hmm. And so, learning to kind of just listen to your own inner voice, I think that's something that, especially on the entrepreneur side, and I think going forward in the future, having your own thing and having multiple streams of income is the only path to security mm-hmm. in today's economy. I mean, there's it's not like the golden parachute and golden you know the golden watch after 30 years that's not how it is people Mm-mm. will can you in a minute if they don't think you have yeah. value mm-hmm. so i would recommend probably that one because just it's it's very you know for me i don't care what people think of me unless unless you're doing something i want to do or you actually care about me you see what i'm saying so Absolutely. if you don't yeah i always always listen because you might learn something even in a non-constructive criticism but you can't internalize that. You filter it, take
2: out the BS. No, I gotta read I've seen that book on the shelves all over. I gotta,
0: I gotta get my hands book. on that.
2: What would mm-hmm. you recommend?
3: I like Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I think everyone has read it, but it really, it, when you're in a people business, you need to learn how to actually interact with people. And it's not a skill that comes natural to a lot of people. Like for me being in the medical industry there's certain protocols. You know, I remember coming into dance treating it like residency, like, okay, so if I'm teaching you then you, you know, you should want to learn this and this is how you're going to learn it and that's what you're going to do. No one no one had to do what I told them to when they're paying right. me to teach them to right. do something. Uh-huh. And so um, I read that book at that time because they were like, you know, you're you're kind of um, a little bit rough around the edges. I think mm-hmm. I think Billy would always kind of say m- maybe like you know tone down you know your personality a bit. And I was like, tone down my personality? I'm awesome. What are we talking about? <laughs> but, um, it's well, she's awesome, but it's how yeah. it's how you deal with people, right. and I think it's a very very important skill and an art, and it transcends outside of business just in terms of meaningful relationships with people. And when you're in a people business, you have to know how to work with others absolutely mm-hmm. no
2: i would recommend that book to anybody and then if they need to sharpen their saw they can come down to cancun in december
0: right? mm-hmm. yeah, man.
2: yeah. Oh,
3: we'll be there love it. Yeah. Yeah.
2: anything else you guys want to share little soapbox anything you want to get out to the world if you could share one thing um i'd say
0: if you're looking to meet people or do something that will add value to your life then i would encourage you to dance if you are married relationship single doesn't matter if you're married bring your bring your spouse if you're in a relationship bring your significant other if you're single come learn to dance not necessarily kizomba but but we we would we think kizomba is a good starting point for social dance and i think um you know if you have questions you can feel free to hit us up we'll answer questions whether you learn from us or elsewhere learn to dance because i think if the more people dance, the less reason there is for us to fight, the less reason for there is for us to misunderstand each other. And I think a lot of our problems stem from insecurity, disconnection and ignorance. And I think it sounds weird, but I think connecting with each other through dance is a good way to eradicate a lot of that,
3: mm-hmm. I think. Cosine.
2: Yeah, man. Cosine. So, so Monica, would you like to add to that? Cosine. He said it all. All right, man. That's awesome. You guys are an inspiration. You really are. And I I love um, even the way that you guys came about dance. Because I'm thinking like you guys would be like ballroom trained since you were young or whatever, right? But you were hitting you were hitting some lows in residency, um, and you're coming off the grind in in the corporate. Yeah, attorney world, man, and, dance, and you found banditism. and you found dance. You found each other through dance, and now you're giving yeah. it back to the world, man. Yeah, and I, dude, i I believe the world's gonna give it back to you. That's yeah, awesome. man. Yeah, man. I'm All right, man.
1: <laughs> talking Benjamins, signing out. Yeah. Talking
3: Benjamins.
1: We hope you enjoyed this episode of Talking Benjamins. If you would like to follow us on Instagram, it would be our pleasure to be followed at Talking Benjamins One. That is at TalkingBenjamins, the number one. Also, you can find us at TalkingBenjamins.com for show notes and our blog. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed, we highly encourage you to leave a positive comment. If you didn't enjoy, feel free not to comment. And either way, out of the goodness of your heart, text someone the link to this episode if you think they would enjoy it. Thank you again for listening. Talking Benjamins. Talking Benjamins. Talking Benjamins. So,
2: what about uh, what about if you had to recommend a fiction book, any uh, fiction book? Well, my favorite
0: genre of all time is epic fantasy. So, I think I mean the Lord of the Rings is the classic. Yeah, and that's, that's what every you know one is. But, but another one that I I think he's really killing it, but he's taking his sweet time finishing.
2: I think I know what you're going to say. Uh,
0: the A Song of Ice and Fire, which is Game of Thrones, right? Um, it's beautifully written, immersive storytelling, and it, there's magic in it, but it, it doesn't rely on magic kind of as a, a Dale's ex machina kind of coming in at the end and kind of, you know, the, like the whole book, you're doing something and all of a sudden at the end you snap a finger and everything is good. It plays a lot on like human interaction. And I like that even the good people have flaws. Mm-hmm. No one is a perfect, pure, well, except for one guy who gets, like, killed immediately almost. <laughs> which so, I, I was so, like, what? I, I, I,
2: haven't read the, I haven't read the books, but uh, but, I, but it seems to be that the, the common theme is, like, oh, I like that guy. He's dead. dead. Oh, I like that lady. Oh, she's dead. Cool.
0: <laughs> like, anyone who's too perfect, because in the game, you know, when you play the Game of Thrones, you win and you die. Fair enough. Right? So, yeah, I think that's a really great one. Another series, because I've read a lot of them. Um, Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time, Wheel of Time is a classic, yeah. and I like I like their magic system. I'm on book um, eight, right yeah, now. yeah. It's really it it, it it ends in a cool kind of bittersweet kind of it's because
2: nice. R- Sanderson finishes those books. Yes,
0: right. Who is another one? He's starting the series, and the it's way be of badass. Caves. It's gonna be <laughs> like. I know I'm probably gonna be 85 by the time
2: he finishes it, <laughs> yeah. but I'm gonna be like,
0: What oh, is a good in my day, you say that? So <laughs>
2: I'd never read a fantasy book in my entire life because I'm like fantasy dork, no right. nerd. Right. You know, I'm not <laughs> reading that crap. You know, right. and I'm I'm, I'm I'm talking to my brother, and but I love like I love a good fiction book, right? I read a lot of nonfiction, but it's like, but a fiction book for me, it's like. I want to have to read it right. more than turn the television on. Right. Right. Cause if I want an unreal escape, I'll turn on a TV show that entertains me. Right. It's like, and so I was talking to him and I'm like, I want a book. It's been a while since I found a book that, that it's like, I want it to be better than watching TV. Like give me a recommendation. Cause I've started two or three and I'm like, I'm not gonna waste my time with this. Right. He's like, dude, you have to read the way of Kings. And I was like, the Way yes. of Kings, and I look at the cover, I'm like, dude, I'm not reading this crap. It looks lame, yeah. And it's a 1,000 pages long. He's like, trust me. Read the book. I know you don't read fantasy, but this will change your life. Dude, I read that book. I'm like, this is the greatest book of all time. And then it ends, and I'm like, I I'm you. like, oh, sweet. That's good. I'm going to read the second one. All right. And, and he's an like reader, he's like hey, yeah so am i <laughs> gonna, so am i you're going to be <laughs> yeah. for a couple yeah. weeks <laughs> and i'm i'm like i'm like oh i'll read the second one and my brother's like oh it doesn't come out for a few more weeks and i was like wait what he's like well there's going to be 10 of them and he writes them like every 3 years or so i'm like what yeah It's killing me it's it's and it's it's so and good. then i feel like it's it's so good but i feel like i have to reread it before mm-hmm. i read the next ones cuz i haven't read oathbringer right. yet cuz i want right. to i want to catch it's up awesome. with them yeah Basically, I'll there's like
0: when I'm 60, there's this it's, all out it's like you have yeah. the there these things called the knights radiant and they're like uh, they bond with these spirits and they get like powers and stuff and generally it's like honorable people who are like leaders you know I I, I love stories of the strong who protect
2: others right Kaladin, or yeah. do you call him Kaladin? so this is no this is the hard Kaladin, part. yeah you say Kaladin? I say Kaladin. I always I say Kaladin, Kaladin. yeah Kaladin. I always say collateral. Kaladin is kind of
0: one of the heroes and he's like mm-hmm. badass. Like he he's a he's a kind man who has some bad crap happen to him. This is a very I mean, very
2: imperfect still. Yeah, though, right. Very so. imperfect,
0: but very honorable. And he gets an honor spirit who is attracted to him. So it's kind of like whatever you put out into the world, you attract these spirits, and everything has a little spirit associated with it. And he gets uh-huh. one. And then one you bond with it and stuff, and you kind of unlock more powers. And they become what they call knights radiant and they've been lost in the world for like centuries and like there's this is evil coming and but it's interesting because the evil they gives you their point of view their point of view and they're not necessarily evil you know it's like people and that, and that's interesting like because yeah, yeah because like when you are yeah. fighting for like you your you just own don't survival. you don't get them
2: like yeah. oh they're they're terrible beasts that come and destroy your land but then it gives you their point of view and you're like uh, maybe yeah. they're not all that all right. bad
0: and then you see that these supposedly evil be- beings have been like treated like crap for centuries right and it's kind of like you know mm, did, did you bring this on yourself or are they really the evil ones here or maybe you're a little bit evil too you know and it's it's very interesting. And the Sanderson guy like he and he also, I think, had another one that was uh, Missborn, 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 which is also pretty good. But Way of Kings, I think that will be the next Game of Thrones. That will be the next Lord of the Rings. It's so
2: I think good. It is so good. He set
0: a bar here and I haven't I haven't read the only one that might be able to hit him is. Um, I think his name is patrick rothfuss and it's a uh, the first one is called uh the name of the wind or something like that i think that was the name of the first one and uh his name is patrick rothfuss and um the hero in that is a he's like a magician he's flawed and he's a musician and you know it's, it's very interesting but yeah the name of the wind i think is one of the books and if you look at it it's pretty good but he also has only written i think two books and it's not completed the part the problem with epic <laughs> fantasy is if you read a series that isn't done yet, you're going to be like.
3: See, yeah, exactly. That's the problem. Yeah. Like, it's, it's
2: like a sneeze that you, you're you going to sneeze, but yeah. you can't. So <laughs> we'll let you know when he's like eight or nine books finished. <laughs> Sorry, I'll can, be to am 60.
3: We're it'll good. take some yeah. time. It'll okay.
2: take some okay. time. By then, we'll have like some some relaxation yeah, time. It's, uh, it's portrait. Yeah. It's yeah, portrait. yeah, this is like the most fantasy geek at we've ever had in book clubs. <laughs> yeah? so this is legit. Awesome. So how about you, Monica? Fictional book.
3: Oh, it's been so long since I've read fiction. Marie Kondo. Marie Kondo
2: your life you're like we up. have seven things at home well, yeah. <laughs> does
0: this bring you joy
2: oh, man. I, I, <laughs> I, I started reading that book and i'm like oh this is legit and then you started getting into i'm not holding this stuff and asking me if it's like you
0: know. it works it really really oh, works, works. <laughs> oh. Oh. i just haven't read any <laughs> Thank fiction you for bringing in a long time way. i
3: don't i'm blanking
0: harry potter but you're more but I, in movies. Yeah, yeah. I'm
3: more of a movie person for Harry Potter because I've been reading more. You cannot fiction.
2: watch the movie without reading the books. No, no, no
3: books i totally read the okay. books. I He's read the so books good. twice. I'll admit the
0: f- the first one I was like, mm. yeah, no, no, the, the books, are But it gets better. Yeah.
3: But I just haven't really read like that for I would say more than five, six years because I've been busy doing other things and I've been big on like the personal development kick. So I can't really say I've been just yeah. reading like that type of stuff for fun. So I'm gonna pass. But that book by Marie Kondo, I totally recommend. I just <laughs> read it called? twice. What's it called? Simple things. What's it called? It's the life-changing magic of tidying up. I read it twice, idea.
2: and it's really. Have cool. you watched her show? You know I she's got a Netflix show. Has she? Like, oh my god! I binge
3: watched it while. I'm like, what is this? While <laughs> like, cleaning. Up. Oh my gosh!
2: So you're you're sitting there binge
3: watching, and no, you're no, like no, holding here. stuff up as have this we photo. speak. We're in mid kondo Take mid-condo. a look at this on my phone. This is me going to <laughs> donate like, all of these bags yesterday oh that did not bring goodness. us joy. Just oh, goes yeah. to show
0: you the power yeah. of an idea. This yeah, This lady She's is amazing. changing the world. With a so simple, right? So simple. And oh, touching
2: yeah. stuff and like things. getting rid of your stuff is so simple. Things. Oh. You know, whoever thought, right? It's simple, not easy though. Nah, whoever thought, because most, most of, um, most of it is trying to get people to expand, right? Mm-hmm. Um, to disposable income, let's it's use that disposable income, let's get more stuff, let's learn more skills, mm-hmm. whatever. You know, and she's like, oh no, no, you, you can be happier if you, less stuff.
1: And
2: it's, it's like, like, what? Yeah, it's like, what? And then she's gonna build an industry on top of that. I love Netflix her. A Netflix show. She's um, my idol. Yeah, I, 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 lo- I was listening to CNBC on the way to work today, um, and they were talking about Netflix, and uh, I guess Steve Carell's coming out with a show I'm so stoked for it. It makes fun of, uh, you know, Trump came out with Space Force. Mm-hmm. They're, making so Space Force. <laughs> They're making a show called Space Force. They're oh, making a show called Space Force and man. Steve Carell. Oh, so good. Yeah, so, I'm like yeah. so stoked, it's right? So good. But they talked about the money he's making mm-hmm. because usually a show has to be like season eight of Seinfeld. Now right. Seinfeld's making a million bucks right. an episode. He's making a million dollars an episode off the bat. Um, and they were talking about how all these re- all these normal, I say normal, all these traditional um, studios there's like sh- all the execs are like shaking their heads because it's like hulu and netflix they're paying these guys but they're paying sandra bullock to do bird box and the mm-hmm. the amount of money they're getting paid it's it's blowing up their industry because mm-hmm. they're trying to have to keep up with them and so i, I imagine i imagine the little netflix shows doing all right for miss condo huh? they're doing all right oh, yes. yeah and netflix
0: that's an inspiration because
2: you know 15 years
0: I ago when it came out
2: people were like netflix
0: Who's gonna wait two days to like get movies in the mail? Why would I want to stream movies online? I
2: can go to Blockbuster Which right,
0: is right now. Right down the street.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. now. Right? Yeah, so I tell my kids when they're like, "What was your first job, Dad?" Oh, I worked at Hollywood Video. What?
3: What? Like what's yep. That? what? Yep. Mhm.
2: Huh?
0: For and real. We're
3: having to like sift to see if it was actually available mm-hmm. behind a little. Uh,
0: that was little like, that was uh-huh. that was a thing. Man, you go to. You know, right. the, the hey, we
2: had a rain mm-hmm. check. Twenty percent off next time you come in for it. <laughs> Bam. Bring your rain check See, in. There we go. Uh, yeah. That's right. <clears throat> you the can theme. rent a movie if you pay half of your late fee tonight, right? Yeah. Right, <laughs> right? Things that we took for
0: granted, right. now it's like- you,
2: you And we were in the, the same building connected with a Papa John's and we would do oh, that trade just... skis. Mm-hmm. It was amazing, right? So we had pizza every night. We were working, yeah, so they would get some it. free rentals. Yeah. And you know what? That Papa John's is still there. Yeah. And there ain't no Hollywood video yeah. there. Hollywood video. <laughs> it was like a fleet feet or something netflix
0: and redbox <laughs> ate all their lunches <laughs> yeah when they
3: first came out everybody but it's a, it's a
0: inspiring whisper. if as far as vision yeah. because yeah. netflix amazon think about amazon right why am i going to wait 2 days to buy a book right or even at that time maybe 3 days to mail i can go to barnes and noble right now yeah. Now look at Amazon. They're basically becoming the freaking Borg, right?
2: mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Well Which I'm waiting. I'm still waiting for it true. in Houston. Our, so I used to live out in Austin. We got friends and they live in a zip code that has same day delivery. So yeah. click, same we day. Have yeah. same we have it and we, we live that? in Midtown. Okay. So it's yeah. Great. Let's say up here in the burbs we don't have it, but it's like it's like order something in the morning and you gonna get it in three or four hours. Right. Like, what? I, I was like,
3: cooking. Like, I, I was cooking. There were some Thai spices that I didn't have and so I actually just ordered them on Amazon. <laughs>
2: I mean, thinking. and it's interesting. They've
0: acclim- they have acclimatized yeah, us to waiting for stuff, and then they under-promise, and now you can overdeliver. deliver and people mm-hmm. are like, it's so oh. great that I can get something the same day, but then I could have gone hours. to the store and gotten it the same day. Yeah. But then you would but, have to
3: fight in the lines.
0: But it's different. Like, they, they've basically changed. They've changed our value system because mm-hmm. before we would rather drive to get something immediately, but here we can stay home. We have to wait but we don't have to spend our time doing anything else. Right. so it's like a different time benefit thing and that's very in- inspiring to me how they've disrupted completely disrupted a market you know probably not that great for barnes and noble you know i'm glad they're still around Last because there's still, still benefit yeah. to what they do but i mean for us as business owners now i'm not saying because i'm already going to become an amazon i mean uh, who knows but you know having that sort of market Influence Yeah I think is Is pretty cool Especially if we can Steer things in a way That actually Adds value Mm -hmm. To people's lives So Yeah Mm. yeah. Awesome Yeah Yeah Awesome